Hello, and welcome to the Apostolic Church Liverpool podcast. We hope the message you're about to listen to will inspire you, will be a blessing to you, and give you perspective in life. For more of such messages, you can visit our website at www.tac-lona.org.uk. You can also access other messages and resources from our YouTube channel, The Apostolic Church Europe. We hope you're blessed and inspired by today's message. God bless you. Here's the message. Praise the living Jesus. Hallelujah. We continue our topic on practical Christianity, where we dived into Titus chapter 3, verse 1 to 8. And we came from a backdrop of talking about grace, appreciating grace. Uh, from verse 11 of chapter 2 to, uh, to about 15, we emphasize that grace uh, redeems us, it reforms us, it rewards us. Uh, more in-depthly, we looked at how grace makes known the great gift of salvation, how grace uh, disciplines us and grace teaches us, how grace allows us to look back in humble adoration while looking forward with great anticipation of the hope of uh, our eternity. Amen. Uh, we also appreciated how grace frees us. It frees us from sin mm. and it keeps us in the way of the cross. It's, and also we looked at how grace commissions us for the for to, to, to go and win more souls. Mm. Amen. Amen. So we want to again look at, let's dive into uh, chapter three now. Let's read from 1 to 8. Chapter 3 from 1 to 8. Uh, it says, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. We ourselves were also once foolish, we were disobedient, we were deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures living in malice and envy, hating and hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, towards men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which uh, we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs, that we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want to co affirm const constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works, these things are good and profitable to men. Amen. And I know we looked at, we, we started with uh, verse one, but I want us to recap on that. He says, the first word says, remind them, remind them. If we look at 2 Peter chapter 1, 10 to 12, 
also, Apostle Peter also used that word, remind them. And the, the, the essence is because we oftentimes as even believers, we, we tend to forget. Uh. We tend to forget even the, the sharpest memory can forget certain detail, which is important. So if we look at Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choice of you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. So there's a need to remember them so that we can practice them so that we do not stumble. Mm. Look at verse 11 of that same uh, text. It says, for in this way and the entrance into the eternal kingdom. And Pastor La, can you please bring that up? Please? Uh, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10 to 12. I want us to look at it very well. We want scripture to interpret scripture tonight so that we are not just an island with titles. We want to look at it from another angle. Okay. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10 to 12. Okay, yeah, thank you very much. It says, therefore, bread, uh, brethren, could you scroll? Yeah, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if we do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For this reason, Mm -hmm. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you, mm -hmm. again, the word reminding, because we can tend to forget as Christians. It's not enough to have received Jesus Christ 40 years ago, or 30 years ago, or 20 years ago, or 10 years ago, or even yesterday. I mean, the reason why we come to Bible study every day is to be in that place, mm -hmm. to remind ourselves of the grace of God, that we were once sinners. But now we have received the grace of God and we are here to enjoy it and also bring it to the light for others to see. Amen. So for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you were, you know and are established in the present truth. So, yes, it, everyone, we, are, we know this truth but there's a need to be constantly reminded. So from this backdrop, Paul, so let's go back to our text. Paul was trying to, I mean, has is now informing Titus, first of all, to be subject to rulers, to be subject to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed. So he wanted them to remember, don't forget that uh, Epimenides was, has said the uh, Cretans were even liars. They were backstabbing demons and stuff like that. I mean, those negative words. But for us as Christians, he which he wanted them to see, he says, now, if we look, before we even go into that, look at that, how many to be's? He said, look at, remember them to be. So I want us to look at that word to be. To be is not, is not uh, something we, we, I mean, we just look at as, as a, 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 he mentioned it four times there. So at a glance, where we may not look at it as a huge detail, 
but it brings something to question. To be there is a command. Amen. Remind them to be. It's a command. It's not suggestive. Mm. It's not something to be considered. It's something that must be ensured that it is done. Mm. So Paul's point here is very simple. As believers, he wanted uh, he wanted them to be saved, to understand that they were saved by grace. Mm. So we must put on and understand and make ensure that we are in the face of it, doing not only hearers of the word, but being doers of God's word. So Paul's focus here on Christians' ethical obligations to government and civic authority. He says to be subject to rulers and to authority, authorities. So it is, I mean, it's a common household code. I mean, during the first century for people to be subject to their governing rulers. Now, it is clear in the text that the believer is to also remain subject to governing authority. If we look at uh, Romans chapter 13, verse one, it says, every person is to be subject to the governing authority. Yes. For there is no other authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Amen. Amen. So Amen. those authorities that exist are established by God. So that is the fact. So because they are established by God, that gives it the more credence for us to obey them. Amen. Amen. So not only should uh, believers who live in this present age live well as a citizen of this world, but their ultimate, our ultimate and supreme subjection is to the Lord himself. Mm. Amen. 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 If we look at uh, going forward to first that same first Peter, if we look at verse 13, it says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution. That's Apostle Peter talking about yeah. it separately. It's not the same Apostle Paul. So it's another scripture entirely. He said, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether to a king or to whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by them for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right mm. for such is the will of god that by doing right you silence the ignorance of foolish people mm. amen. amen so that's apostle peter also admonishing uh, 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 readers that they should also submit to for the Lord's sake. Very important. For the Lord's sake. The Lord established them. So we must do it as unto the Lord. Very important. Now, the later verse, the later part of verse one, which mentions that believers must be obedient and ready for every good deed. Mm. Now, this part is, in other words, our ability as Christians to live well should not only be reflected in that of the church regarding submission to Christ only, but also in the society. As believers, as we live our lives as believers, we are not to be divorced uh, 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 from the very world that we live in. Mm. Amen. Mm. We are not to be divorced from the very world we live in. So there was a statement, I, I mean, 
that was used by the older generations. They, they I mean, uh, oldest, they usually say something that's it, that they would say that we can't be so heavenly minded that we now become of no good in mm -hmm. the earth. Mm -hmm. Amen. We can't be so heavily focused that we'll be useless here in the world. So let's always remember that. So what this means is that because we have our eyes set on eternal things, that we, we must live, serve, and love now with the eternal mindset fully realized. Now, eternal perspective, one thing we want, need to note is that eternal perspective is never to be divorced from current issues that demand biblical truth to be heard and seen in the present age. Amen. Amen. Let's move to verse two. So let's check out verse two. From with this, with this moving from that context of verse one, he now asks us to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable. So don't forget, we looked at our responsibility to the government and civic authorities. Mm. Now we are looking at our responsibilities to ourselves mm. and to all men. Amen. Amen. So verse 2 says to, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, to be gentle, showing all humility to all men. Now, Paul moves from discussing the way in which we should deal with governing authorities to how we should deal with secular society. Amen. Amen. Now, as he shifted the focus from governing authorities to the secular society, he mentioned that the believer should malign no one. That means to speak evil of no one. Do not speak evil on, of anyone. Whenever you see your brother that is, or your sister that is doing something of, uh, uh, that is not, that is not right, you can pray for the, the person. You can call the person to order. You can admonish the person. If you know you can't do that, you can speak to uh, the pastorate about it. Maybe the person would respect the pastor's opinion better. But of no, of no, in no context are we allowed to speak of evil of anyone. Amen. Amen. Let us not speak evil of anyone behind our backs. Now, the word speaking of evil was taken from the, uh, from the word, from a Greek word called blasphemio, which uh, the English now means blaspheme. blaspheme. Now, in that particular context, it refers to individuals slandering one another rather than being kind to one another. Amen. 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 So Paul also mentions that the believer is to avoid quarreling. So what is interesting is that Paul mentions total opposite characteristics of uh, who the Cretans were, according to Titus chapter 1, verse 12. Cretans are known as being liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. So Paul wanted that there is hope for even the, the worst Cretan. There is hope that they can be saved. They can be saved no matter how bad they are. We, the fellow Cretans were not, were not supposed to speak evil of each other. Mm. 
Amen. Amen. So Paul's application in this part of the text deals specifically with how believers deal with all other people in a horizontal fashion and how they should see, they should live with all people. Amen. So it's without question that the believer in Christ will have to deal with non-believers in the workplace, in governing institutions, and in communities. So Paul's primary point regarding people is that every believer in Christ on that island of uh, Crete should reflect the kindness and love of Christ. No matter the background, they should, from them should exude the personality of Christ. So that is what he's trying to bring to their, to their knowledge through his writing to Titus. That regardless of how we feel about someone based upon uh, what we see from their life, that each person is created. We should first of all know that each person is created in the image of God. Hmm. So this is confirmed in the later verse, I mean, later half of the verse two, where Paul says, we should live peaceably, we should live gentle, and we should show every consideration, wow. every consideration for all men. Amen. Amen. So from here, this is what Paul was urgently informing Titus about in regard to remind the believers of how to live well, first with the government uh, uh, and civic authorities, and also in the society. So, but the implication of this truth goes beyond just the lives of believers themselves. So if the world looks at the church and they cannot see the difference between us and them, then does the gospel message become attractive? No. There must be a clear difference between how we as Christians behave and what the world be, uh, how the world behaves or people who are not who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, how they behave, or let's put them as unbelievers, in quotes. Amen. So mm -hmm. when the church is not the church in the sense of being the church, we begin to lack the effectiveness that Christ has called us to. So the church must represent Christ in every form. And as you and I are part of the church, we must carry the express image of Christ. We must be Christ-like in our words, in our speech, in our thoughts. Whatever anyone sees, an unbeliever sees, must reflect Christ. And I think Christ has come to give us that standard. We must not fall short of that standard. Amen. Pastor Davis, go on, sir. Praise God. Just want to yeah. just quickly uh, answer just one question. Yes, sir. Uh, the question is, are there instances where believers can disobey authorities? Okay. Let's debate on that in the next one or two minutes. Are there instances where Christians can disobey authority? Believers. Believers, believers can disobey authorities. Any opinion? Wow. I'm waiting for <laughs> responses. 
Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, ma. I think the answer should be yes in a way that um, okay. if a if a past if a leader is doing something that is not um, that is out of context, that is not uh, what God said we should not do this. We should not steal. We should not commit adultery. This and that and that. And now my leader is not doing that. Mm. I think I have the right to, it depends on the relationship again, to talk to him about it, or maybe to talk to somebody who I believe that is higher, to talk to him or her. So I think the question I think is yes, thank you. Mommy, I think you've taken it out of context. So yeah. Okay. I, I think the question is talking about the government. It is, I think that's also part of it. Right? Is it part yeah. of it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's generic. It's a general question. Okay, but I was thinking yeah, it's, all, it's the government you are talking about, sir. And no, it's not the leader. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All, all, all of them. All of them. Yeah. Praise okay. the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Whereby the government uh, make laws mm. that that are that does not pro, uh, promote the gospel, mm. like laws that. Uh, you should not go to church. You should, God does not exist, and uh, and it's really affecting the preaching of the gospel. In that sense, yes, believers have the right. Believers can disobey the government on that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, someone talked about same-sex marriage. I mean, that's a big spanner into the into the mix. Mm. <laughs> what do we see about that? Pastor, like you want to share something? It's 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 clear. I mean, it depends on what we are considering as our supreme authority. What you've said to us so far about submitting to authority is coming from the Word of God, and that Word of God is what we hold as the ultimate authority. So, if anybody that is having authority over you is mandating you to do something that contravenes that highest authority, that becomes a legal ground under God to disobey and to say no. And that can be in any, even in marriage. If your husband wants you to do something as, as the wife that is contrary to scriptures, you have a, a justifiable grant to say no. Um, and it goes on and on like that. Your leader in church, your leader at work, and then of course the government in its different levels and tiers. So it's just upholding the scripture as our ultimate authority and aligning our lives uh, practically by, by its dictates. That would be my thoughts, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Pastor Davis? And I think we answered it. I just wanted us to be grounded on that truth. So everybody that answered it, answered it properly. So that's the thing. The ultimate authority is the word of God. So and the second question I was going to ask, I think Pastor already mentioned it. I was just going to say that what about the authority in the marriage is the similar thing. If what the person that stands as authority see is against the word of God, then you can sit down and agree to disagree. Mm. Excellent. The word of God is the ultimate. Yeah. We have examples in the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, even Paul that wrote this. The reason why he was beheaded was because he refused to follow some things. 
guys. Mm. Sometimes he told them that so you you guys should decide today which we which we follow, is it you or God has sent us. And they went back to the street and started preaching again. Amen. So um, yeah, I think we have proper understanding. I just want to check our understanding on that. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, Salinas, quickly. Um, I, I think I remember reading the premier news that is sending it to my email about that same-sex marriage. And there's this bishop, um, I think he's uh, Welby. That's, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I can't remember. I can't, I'm not sure about the name of that man. He literally said, no, he can't bless same-sex marriage. He, he said it that he can't he can he can't allow it and he can't bless it and this is like a um, highly respected person in the like a church of england highly respected person and i was surprised when he said that because i was thinking he was going to also accept it you know like that of recent that was just like a couple of days ago you know and he, he said no he can't bless it you know Thank At least much. in a way, you, it disobeyed the so-called um, government. Authority, yeah. Thank you very much for all that uh, input. Uh, let's come back to that verse, to the later part. Uh, so that Paul was saying, we should live peaceably, gentle, showing every consideration to all men. Now, what we are now saying is that we must not continue to gossip. So what we can see from here is that we should not gossip. We should not speak of evil of anyone. We should not have any evil intent. And we should, we should ensure that because we are the salt of the earth. So when the salt of the earth is, is, becomes tasteless, how do we now uh, salt in the earth? If you get what I'm saying. So as children of God, as Christians, as believers, we must, we, we are to replicate who Christ is and show it to the world so that people can come. Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it says, you, your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. So look at that verse too very well. Let us take note of it. If you still engage in speaking evil of anyone, backstabbing, you don't, you don't live peaceably with people. You, you are not humble. We are not showing our true nature of what Christ has provided for us. Christ has come to die for each and every one of us. And whenever we don't do these things, we are not showing the love of Christ. Amen. Our light must shine. That's my emphasis here. Our light must shine as Christians. So what we are capturing from the text here is that is how Jesus uh, takes people who have, who have bad pasts and turn their lives around. Let's not forget we're coming from the context of the Christians. They have bad past, but Christ has given them, he has made the grace available to them to turn their lives around. So this is something Paul was trying to address in Romans chapter 14 regarding the formation of the church with both Jews and Gentiles alike. 
Don't forget that within the first century church, bringing into the family Jewish believers and Gentile believers under one roof was a difficult task. Amen. So because each, each group had their own traditions, cultural backgrounds, and the like, same also of our, our age. We come from different backgrounds, different mindsets, different beliefs, different nations, different cultures. And we've come to under a unifying code. That code is Jesus Christ. Amen. And so Jesus is calling us to, in this verse two, to speak evil of no one, to live peaceably, to be gentle, to show humility to all men. Amen. We can look at it as, you, let's look at the example of Paul, uh, sorry, Peter and Cornelius. You know, Peter was, uh, to cut the long story short, if you look at Acts chapter 10, verse 1 to 48, Peter had a dream and there was a white sheet coming down from heaven and there was a voice that says, Peter, rise up and eat the animals that were there. And he said, me, rise up, <laughs> eat, no. If you look at verse 14 of that chapter, it says, by, by no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything unholy and unclean. Amen. So Peter is then told the significant thing that, I mean, I don't want you to miss it now. It's, verse 15 says, again, a voice came to him the second time. It says, what God has cleansed, no longer call unholy. No longer consider it unholy. Amen. So Peter, in his Amen. essence, checked by God regarding who Peter deems who is clean or unclean. Amen. So as Amen. believers, we can forget that God called us all not to be his salvation police, <laughs> but we should be, we're in fact recipients of his grace. So we are not to see, oh, this person didn't do it right. That person didn't do it right. Oh, he didn't believe right. Oh, no, is he a Christian? No, we are not supposed to be salvation police. We are supposed to appreciate the grace of God. That the grace of God that found you will find that person too. And if you want to be a vessel, that the grace of God will empower you to bring that person to Christ. Amen. 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 Now, the reality is that like others who come to church and come to faith, they will need the patience of people and the grace to be shown to. So people who, I mean, the person who accepted Christ Jesus yesterday may not know as much as you know today, but they need the required patience. They need the required, that, that time for them to also grow in sanctification. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says, or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and restraint and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Let's Amen. Go, let's go to verse 3. Verse 3. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, for we also once were foolish, for we ourselves were also one's foolish. Now, in other words here, the reason why we must show compassion, kindness, humility is because Christ showed us the same. Amen. 
Amen. Christ also showed us that kindness, that compassion, that humility, that gentleness, that patience. And so that's why we must show it to, to, to new converts and even unbelievers to, in order to bring them and see, let them see the provision that is in the salvation that Christ offers. Amen. Now, the Amen. moment that we forget how foolish we were once is the moment that pride sets in. So Paul also mentioned this very truth in Colossians chapter 3, verse 7. Uh, regarding the foolish things that we once walked in. It says, verse 6 says, for it is because of these things that the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And in them, you also once walked when you were living in them. Amen. So if we are brutally honest with ourselves, with a humble heart, we can accurately say that that's us too. We were disobedient. We were, be we were being deceived. We were enslaved to various lusts and pleasures. We were living in malice and envy. We were hateful. We were hating one another. But out of this, Christ called us because he was compassionate. Now, when we, when we come to this realization from where we were coming from and where we are now, it should produce humility. Amen. It should produce humility Amen. in recognizing that God chose us and brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. It should produce gratitude that we were once, we were saved from the wrath of God. And it should produce in us peace, knowing that we are no longer enemies of God who are helplessly foolish, but we have been made alive in Jesus Christ. Let somebody shout hallelujah about that. Hallelujah. Friends, I want to urge you tonight. Let us remember where Christ found us, where he met us. We were like pigs in, in, in the mud, where we relished being in the mud. But God in his infinite mercy and grace, he came and he died for us so that we may have life and have it abundantly. Amen. 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 Next Amen. slide. Uh, praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah, just wanted to just uh, do a bit of emphasis on that one. Thank you very much. Not being a salvation police. I think uh, sometimes so many people, sometimes we get a little bit guilty of that. And I like the illustration. We the illustration about Cornelius and Peter. The idea sometimes is that sometimes we tend to want to take the place of Holy Spirit. We don't allow people to go through the work of sanctification properly. It's like trying to give somebody in your uh, primary school uh, uh, the mathematics of the rain. Something that somebody is, and we believe that they must, they should have known. And what am I saying that? The reason I'm saying that is that sometimes, how do we, that's the practicality of it is that how do you feel? Say, for example, you see somebody comes to church and uh, arms open with tattoos and all of that. Do you still relate with them or do you just greet them? Or say, hey, hello. Or do you have a prejudice towards them or did you get to know them first and know? Or we, so that's, those are the practicality that we need to think about. Do you feel compassion? Do you feel love for them? 
Uh, say, for example, you are you live in the days of Jesus and you see a woman you know, beside Jesus trying to use her hair to rub Jesus' feet. How we, what would be your perception, your opinion about that? Those are the areas we need to think about. The reason I'm saying that is that, you know, sometimes when we do programs like that, I'm still talking to one of the pastors about it today. When we do programs like Push, uh, Modern Conqueror and all of that. Now, we have a lot of res uh, responses. So I make sure I go there and read them one by one. Now, we have some strange, uh, you know, people comment like that. Some say, why is this uh, singer not wearing uh, wearing uh, earrings? Why is this person wearing this thing? You know, those are core traditional apples. And most time, I kind of reply them privately. But if I see that they're still pushing it, that I just sometimes just hide the other comment. So those are the areas. Those are the areas that we become salvation police. We believe that if people are not exactly the way we are, then they are they have not they are not saved. So those are the areas that God said we should undo all those things with humility, knowing fully well that is God has saved. Just imagine that your father was a uh, was a, 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 what they call it in his Dibia or all these uh, Babala in, in your, and you, that's what you grew up to know, and you grew up like that. And you know how to do Dufa and all of that. And that's all you know. You don't know nothing else. And suddenly, that's just what you know. Then people that are prejudging you until you present the salvation to you and the Holy Spirit witness the work of regeneration you and refused, you know, the truth. That's until then. So that's the area I just want to bring our attention to. May the Holy Spirit give us understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can I also emphasize uh, uh, the area of humility. I want us to emphasize on humility. Uh, we should also endeavor to to live uh, to display it more often. Humility. Let us not forget where we come from. Hmm. Humility in recognizing that God chose us and brought us out of darkness. We, we, so when we see others. Uh, uh, that is, they're going astray. We should not judge them. We should not judge them. We should always appreciate that God also will find them. And like I said earlier, we should also, if we, if we, if we are, I mean, if you are, if you are so much pushed on it, you can ask God to make you a vessel in making that person come to Christ. Don't judge. Don't speak evil of anyone. I'm always happy when I come to church, when I see everybody smile, when we look at each other and we smile at each other. But beyond that, I hope we, we, we don't look at each other uh, in, in, in hateful manner or with envy or with, 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 I mean, looking at all those negative things Paul mentioned there. Amen we must stay humble at all times. We must stay grateful for what God has done in our lives. And we must live at peace with every man. Amen. It's very, very Amen. important. Very, very important. I needed to stress that. May the Lord give us more understanding in Jesus' name. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can we dive into verse four now? Mm, not, we have just three minutes. Because of time, right? Yeah. Okay. We'll hope to conclude verse uh, 4 to 8 next week. Uh, Lord, help us in Jesus' name. So from what we have said today, let us look at how we can 
uh, solidify all that we've learned today, that we should, uh, let's look at that verse three again. It says, for we were once foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Yeah. Those were our experiences before. But because of the grace of God that has found us, that grace is the one that is keeping us where we are today. So that's why we must be reminded that the grace we've received is a, is a gift of salvation. That grace must always discipline us and teach us to remain in Christ Jesus. That grace must always make us humble, stay humble. We must stay humble and anticipate for a better future where we all will be, will be glorified. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Let's not forget that the grace frees us from sin and it keeps us. And that grace commissions us to be vessels unto honor in the hands of God to save all their unbelievers. May the Lord bless his words in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, Thank praise you. God. Hallelujah. Yeah, just three practical, it's three things I want us to start doing also as a church is, you know, as one of the, I think it's part of our uh, vision statement anyway. I mean, not theory of it, the breakdown of it is as a church, we are warm, we are welcoming, and we are friendly. Yes. We are warm, we are welcoming, and we are friendly. So we should consciously go out of our way to be warm, to be welcoming, and to be friendly to everyone. So, for example, we have uh, a brother that came last week by God's grace there. Now, we, nobody knew it was a, a VIP, but I noticed uh, when it was, we just finished and he was praising the Lord with all his mind and all of that. And he was going, I just left. And I discovered that nobody actually following more people. So if we are conscious about that, yeah, we are warm, we are welcoming. Nobody will come to your house and you just get busy and just ignore that person, let that person go. But when you are conscious about you are warm, you are welcoming and you are friendly. You go out of your way. Before you greet the person, your brother, you know, you go and greet that man that's just coming for the first time. How are you, sir? I hope you are blessed in the presence of the Lord. Is there anything we can do? We don't leave it only to the, uh, the Austrian unit. So we take it as a point of responsibility. That's the practicality of what we can do. We are warm, we are welcoming, and we are friendly. And it also happens to, sorry, we're gonna start prayer now. For people you've not seen for some time, for example, I noticed that we've not seen Mr. Tende for some time now, and nobody has actually gone to, so what's going on? Is he in the hospital? Is he sick? There are few things like that. As a church, we have to go out. That is how we know we are Christians. Now, when we preach, when we say it is quite good, but how do we put it into practice? So we have to go out of our comfort zone to put it in practice. And may the Lord give us understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. But pastor, this thing you said about the other the man that came last Sunday. Yes, sir. I offered him, I went and greeted him. I tell him, let us go for the, to drink coffee. Say no, he wouldn't go. He wants to leave. Uh, I offered him that. 
Okay, thank you very much. I actually, I eventually stopped him and I organized for people to speak to him and they have followed him up. So but that's just an example. Thank you for doing that. But I'm just saying generically as a church, let us go out of our way to the world. To the world. We are doing that, but I pray for those who give us even the spirit to do even more in Jesus' name. Amen.